0: Good morning. good morning. Well, it might be afternoon now, so good afternoon. <laughs> it's been a little while since I've been up here, so, but it's a good reason, letting these other guys practice and learn and get with God and get their messages, and it's a good thing. It's a good, good uh, resource of discipleship. So I, I really do appreciate that um, about this church. And you guys encouraging those guys that are learning. If you will, go ahead and uh, grab your Bible and we'll jump back into Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, if you will, stand with me as we read the passage. Just in case we ever are convinced we are something in and of ourselves. (laughs) We have nothing without Christ this this king seated on the throne that we were singing about. I want to ask you this question before I read this passage. What is it that dwells in your heart today? What is it that dwells in your heart? Let's read this passage. Uh, chapter 3, starting in 14, and we'll read through. to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly all that, uh, than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work in, within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are faithful to your people. Lord, we're thankful that you speak to us through your word. We're thankful that you give us guidance day by day, that you lead us, that you never leave us. Lord, I pray that Heritage would be a church that always follows your footsteps. Lord, I pray that Heritage would be a a people in which Jesus Christ dwells in their heart. That Your Spirit dwells within them. That the Father dwells within them. Lord, I pray that You would move us towards holiness. Move us towards You. Help us to learn to reside in your presence Lord and let your presence reside in us Lord never let us as a church body be a body that um, neglects your presence Lord we know that we have it this morning Lord we're talking about through the week Lord I pray that you would move me out of the way Lord I pray that if there's any pride that it would be gone Lord, I pray that no flesh in this building would hinder your spirit, no enemy. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Fill the hearers with your spirit that we would hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You'll hear me say this over and over and over and again and over and over. We have nothing without Christ. We have nothing without Christ. We should never, ever think more highly of ourselves than we should. Because if we remember where we were, how could we ever be proud about what we're, what we're doing and what we're involved in? So that was the question I asked at the very beginning before we read the passage. Was What is it that dwells in your heart today? What is it that dwells there? To give a little review, it's been a while. We went through chapter 1, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our sovereign in your salvation before the foundation of the world. I know some people wrestle with that. Go wrestle with it. It's good. It's good to wrestle with it. Um, most of us that have ever wrestled with God come out limping, and that's the way it goes. Um, there, there is no other result. He will win. Um, chapter 2, what we brought to the table, we were dead. Not spiritually sick. You'll hear many people say that in Christianity. We're spiritually sick. We need a little help. We need a life raft. Well, you've heard me say it before. We don't need the life raft. We're at the bottom of the ocean dead. He has to come down and come grab us out of the bottom of the ocean, bring us up, breathe new life into us, and then tell us to go and sin no more. And that's where our life begins. We're not flailing our arms. We're not spiritually sick. Paul says in chapter 2, we were dead in our trespasses and sins dead salvation is by grace alone him making us alive he talks about in chapter 2 him making us alive if someone has to be made alive they were what they were dead you if you're having to be made alive you were dead by regeneration born again i think christianity has lost sight of that that phrase born again um they say well it's an old phrase no it's a biblical phrase you're born again. It says a whole, a whole group of things when you say you're born again. We've, we've traded out born again for saying, I made a decision. I wrote my name down. I checked the box on the visitor card. I'm all right. Born again gives a whole different connotation. Born again means you have been born into a new life. You have a new life. That you didn't have before you were born. Because to be birthed means you have a new starting point. A new life. A new, a new way of living. A new way of breathing. And God has done that. God has conceived that in your heart. God has given you new life. He has turned that heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And he's continuing to chip it away. Chip away at it. And chip away at it. To get rid of that death. That's chapter 2. Chapter 3 we talked about the wisdom of God talked about the providence of God and His eternal purpose. And the last time we preached, we talked about love from humility. We like to say that we love people. But if we don't love people in a humble heart, it's not truly love, is it? Because it's about what we can get from that situation. What we can get from the love that we feel like we're giving people. What recognition we can get from loving people. Um, what, who, who's going to notice us? We talked about that in the last sermon. If what you consider to be love is arrogant, selfish, and wants to be seen, it is fake and phony. Where's Stuart today? (laughs) I'll say it again. If what you consider to be love is arrogant or selfish and wants to be seen, it is fake and phony. Acting, mask wearing, as the Bible calls it, hypocrites, is wearing a mask. I want people to think that I'm this way about certain things when I'm around other people. But when everyone else is gone, I put the mask away. Well, that's who you really are. And we'll get into that at a later point in this sermon. Acting. It's not really love. It's pretending to love. We talked about that in the last sermon. So let's get into this one today. Three points. Number one, humility before God. We're picking up right where we left off. Ephesians 3, we'll start in verse 14 and 15. Paul says this, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Verse 15, From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I bow my knees before the Father. This is where we left off. You remember, Jews didn't do that when they prayed. They didn't bow down when they were praying. They would either pray when they're standing up or they would pray... Um, on the, on their faces, but most of the time it was pr- standing. Jews didn't do that when they prayed. It was a posture. His position was a reflection of his heart posture. The fact that he was bowing, he knew who that father was. We talked about that the last sermon. He knew everything. He knew who to whom he was speaking. Yes, He's our Father, but He's also that King seated on the throne, high and lifted up. He's the one who gave us grace. He's the one who made us alive. We're speaking to that God. That, he's, not, he's not just a man. He's 100% God and 100% man. Truly God, truly man. We're speaking to Him. And we're not just talking into the air when we're praying. He's listening to us from that throne. His position was a reflection of his heart posture. I want to ask you this. What is your posture before God? What is your heart posture when you come before Him? Is it frivolous? Is it, I'm just rattling off a a list. What What is your posture before God? What is your heart? What is in your heart when you go before God? When there's no one else around? But Paul knew that. He bows his knees before the Father. And then it says, From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Every family. There's some debate on who that family is, but I'm going to put this in general form. God is the progenitor of all things created. The fact that everything has a name come from him. That's, I guess that hit with D. D. Did anybody hit anybody else? I mean, if there's anything else that is named, it's because He named it. And we, I think that goes through our minds so many so quickly. Sometimes. Well, no. If there's anything named, it is because of Him. It is because of Him. He is the Father of all things. He is the Creator of all things. Everything comes from Him. His existence does not exist. I want you to get this about God. And you remember, I've heard, you've heard me say this before. God does not exist. And some of you that haven't heard it before said, oh, I walked into the wrong church this morning. <laughs> to exist means that you come from something. To exist means you're exuding from something. God doesn't come from anything. He doesn't come from anything. He comes from Himself. That is what makes God, God. He does not exist in the technical sense of the word existing. He does not come from things. He comes from himself. He has no cause. There's no cause that affects God. That it causes him to be. He is his own cause. God alone has aseity. Remember that word, aseity. if If no other church in Greenville County knows that word, I want you guys to know what aseity means when somebody says it. That means God exists by His own power. He exists by His own cause. There's nothing that affects Him that causes Him to be. He just, He is. That's why His name is I Am. I Am. But Paul knows this is who he's talking to. He says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I want to read this passage in Colossians 1.15. I think I put it up on a slide, yeah? Thought ahead. Sweet. Colossians 1.15. Speaking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him and he was before all things and in him all things hold together this is to whom paul is speaking this is whom we're speaking to when we're praying we're not just speaking to some some being that's out there and he may hear us he may not hear us no he's very actively listening to you he's very actively watching your life he's very actively guiding your life if you're if you are a a believer you're belonging to him he is very carefully guiding your life like we we spoke about a couple of chapters ago or a chapter ago, Poema, he is writing your poem. He is writing your song. And he is guiding you very carefully, very intently, very consciously guiding your life and very intently listening to you when you're praying. When you're sitting here worshiping and you're standing here worshiping and giving him your heart and raising your hands, He's just he is like, that is my child. That is my child. And I'm listening to that. I care about that. I'm hearing it. And He knows when you're enjoying Him, He's enjoying you. And when those two things meet, you have heaven in your heart. And one day, our hearts will be re- remade completely to where there is no hindrance, and it never has to stop, and you will worship Him. You will enjoy Him forever. You will enjoy Him without any hindrances, and He will enjoy you, and that is heaven. And there will be no, no, no end to that. But from, from whom all from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. All of the things that we can see and not see are creation. He alone is creator. Creation has its name because of him. He created the creation, and because there is creation and he's creator, that, that the creation has a name because of him or it wouldn't even be without him but in the same way and more so not only is he um not only from every family in heaven and earth is named not only is creation named because of him in that same way and more so we are made in his image and are named so because he gave us a soul we are made in his image not only are we his creation, but he made us, he created us in his image to be image bearers. And further, he has given some of his image bearers saving grace, and now we are named into his family. Is that is that not is that not mind-blowing? Not only we're not just a creation, we're not just a horse or or a cow or or just a human that may look some sort of way. He has made us, He has created us in His image. And then, not only did He make us in His image, He's he's given some of us extra grace, saving grace, that is not only just good to us, but He's been (laughs) eternally good to us, and changed everything about us, and changed our heart, and made us a part of His family. So not only is He Father because He made everything and He's the progenitor, but He's also Father intimately to some of us because of saving grace. For those of us who are repenting of their sin and believing God, we are not only image bearers, but we have been transformed into name bearers. Name bearers. We bear His name. We're not just carrying his image and say, well, yes, we're made in the image of God. No, you, us as Christians, us as believers, us as those are, who are repenting and, and following after him and, and striving to know him and not about him, but to know him and spend time with him and enjoy worship this morning. You're enjoying him. Those people, we have been made name bearers. We bear his name. Paul understands all of these things as he's speaking to him and he's, he's asking these things for the Ephesian church and as we read them, he's asking them for the, the church today for us to realize these things, to be strengthened with him uh, and by his spirit. Paul is humbled by this truth and so should we be humbled by this truth. When we think of how high and lifted up God is and how He is the creator and and how He has made all things but yet He's and He's made us but yet He's given us extra and then He's saved us and He's redeemed us And we're not just image bearers but now we're name bearers because we're in the family. We're not just in creation. We've been we're in this, this large thing called creation. He's made everything and it's come from His essence and from His heart. But yet we get to be in this even closer circle of His family because he's given us extra grace and he's like no you won't just be creation you won't just be an image bearer you will be a name bearer you will follow me you will love me with all your heart and you will enjoy me and I will enjoy you and I will be your God and you will be my people and you will be my family it's one thing to be created by the creator and it's one thing to bear his image it is a totally different thing altogether to bear his name his reputation, who he is. When we say he's our father, we believe it. We know that he is our father. He's not just a father or just the father. He's our father. That's what I love about Jesus when he would pray. He said, Our father who is in heaven. Our father. He didn't say, My father. When he said, Pray like this, my father. No, he said, Our father. It's, it's just as real for you. It's just as real for me when we're speaking to Him. When He spoke to His Father, He spoke to our Father. We're in the family from whom every family on heaven, in heaven and on earth is named. We're not just image bearers. We are name bearers. I want to ask you this. How do you carry His name? How do you carry His name? What does your life look like? How do you carry His name? When people look at your life and your actions... To whom would they say you belong? Whose name would they say that you bear? Would I bear? Would they say, well, he's a child of the world. Yeah, I've never heard him or or her mention anything about Christ. Or they do mention about Christ and they live this other way. They're doing this and they're doing that. Hypocrites, wearing a mask. What does your life look like? Would they say you follow Satan? Would they say you follow sin, your flesh? What would they say? Would they say you follow Jesus? For very many of you, I would, I would hope to say when people see you outside of this church body, they would say, that person right there, they follow Jesus. There's something different. They're not just going to church. They love Him. They're obsessed with Him. Not about Him. They're obsessed with Him and spending time with Him and knowing Him. They can't be quiet about Him. Would they say that? If you, and if you told them, well, yeah, I follow Jesus, would they be shocked or surprised? Would they be shocked or surprised? And they say, well, hmm, that's interesting. I'm just telling you, that's how the way it would, it would go down at my work. If you live that type of life, people would say, oh, I didn't know you went to church. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> They would just probably walk off. Like, hmm, okay. Would they be shocked or surprised for you to claim that you've been changed by Jesus? Does your life show a change? But Paul lived in this humble mindset of knowing who God was, knowing who he was before he came there. And it's not just because he was murdering Christians. He knew he was sinful in every area of his life. That was just the the most outspoken and most pronounced thing in his life. He was going to kill Christians, but then he wasn't. And he can't explain that other than the grace of God being good to him. He, didn't, he wasn't going on the road to Damascus and grabbed a card from the nearest church and signed off on it and said, Well, I'm saved now and I'm going to put this date down I'm from the Roman calendar and I'm going to stick it in my back pocket and roll it up in my scroll of scriptures and look into it whenever I feel like I need to be saved. No, he remembered that when, he came, when God came to him, something changed. His whole life changed. He didn't just start talking Christianese. He didn't start talking how people, he thought people wanted to hear him. He didn't. He didn't just start talking like that. Would they be shocked? Paul knew when he went on that road, he was going to kill Christians, and then he wasn't. There's no other explanation from that than God. And we are no different. Our salvation is not some contract we've made with God and we're on equal terms with Him. No, we are far from equal terms with Him. He is God and we are not. He is the King and we are His subjects, but not only subjects, we have been made His family. We are His sons and daughters. But yet, yeah, we're in the family, but we're not Daddy. We're not Father. We're not God that should humble us. And and Paul never forgot that. He never forgot how he was saved and what happened. He was humbled by that. He was humbled to whom he was speaking. He knew that we were image bearers. He knew that he we were named because of him. Number two, Paul says, uh, the second point is going to be strengthened by the Spirit. In verse 16, Paul goes on to say that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you To be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. You will be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. What I want to ask you that, uh, to kind of help you grasp a hold of this, what is the opposite of strengthened with power through his spirit? What would be the opposite of that? It would be weak. And our flesh, weakened with our inability, is what I wrote down. I had a little longer to think about it, so I just wrote, I figured that was a good word. Our inability, our weakness, weakened with our inability, operating in the flesh, operating in deadness, operating in our and what we think is best. I'm going to say it again, we have nothing without Jesus. Paul is praying for the Ephesians to be strengthened by his spirit in our inner being. And we'll go on to say a little bit further why we have to be strengthened in our inner being. But we have nothing without him. For us to sit here and be big on ourselves and say, Yeah, we, we <laughs> everyone needs me. Everyone thinks they have to have me. No, nah, not really. Not really. We're not, none of us, every one of us can be replaced. Me and Chuck can be replaced like that. Something happens to me and Chuck. Me and Chuck fall off some sort of wagon. I don't even know what it would be. There'd be another pastor here in a heartbeat because God's going to take care of his church. It's not about me and Chuck. It's not about how we preach. It's not about how we lead. It's not about the gifts that he's given to us, although those gifts are gifts to the church. He has other people who are gifted. We're not irreplaceable. None of us in here are irreplaceable. But the opposite of strengthened with power through His Spirit is weakened in our inability. Operating in the flesh, operating in deadness, operating in ourself. We have nothing without Christ. We are are bankrupt. We are bankrupt without Christ. But Paul is praying that they would be strengthened with power through His Spirit. So what does strengthened with power look like? It looks like regeneration when you are dead. When he comes to you and he sparks that new life and you and you wake up so to speak and you see your you see God as holy and you see yourself as unholy and I I am in big trouble and I need to cry out to him I need to repent of my sins then that first cry of faith comes because you've been made alive it is the first cry of a newborn baby you have been birthed you've been conceived and birthed by by God's planning, by his regeneration, being born again. That is strengthened with power. Also, if you're strengthened with his power, Paul knew this, that you would grow in humility. You would grow in humility. Although Paul would say some things at times that sounded like he was bragging, he was just telling the truth. His heart was humble. It was a humble heart, a heart of humility. But sometimes he had to tell people things very straightforward. I was telling, I think it was Jessica in the car, we were talking about this. I was like, man, he had to <laughs> lay it out there in those letters. It took a little while to get there. It wasn't like email or text message. He's like, I'm just going to lay this out here. I'm going to be plain, and I'm going to say it. And when it gets there, they'll get the message. But he had a humble heart, strengthened by the Spirit. Will not give you an arrogant heart if you're strengthened by the Holy Spirit you're not going to have an arrogant heart you're not going to have a proud heart that thinks they're always right or thinks that everyone else is like (laughs) Pastor Chuck said the other week when you get in your pride everyone else is stupid that's just the way it is That's, that's real when you're in your pride everyone else is wrong everyone else is stupid to you you're like nah they're they're just living their own way they're doing their own thing everyone else is wrong that's not the heart that is strengthened by power through the Holy Spirit it is a heart of humility and also there's other things but I'm going to hit this one too there's holiness in your life if you're strengthened with Holy Spirit power within your inner being you're going to be you're going to grow in your holiness you're going to grow in humility and you're going to grow in holiness sin is going to lose its appeal You're going to start dropping off things that have caused you to stumble. You're going to drop off those things that are distracting you. You're going to do like the writer of Hebrews says. You're going to lay aside every weight and run the race that you, you have been given to run. And you're going to run it hard and fast. Because you'll lay aside all those things. You'll have holiness in your heart. Hatred of your own sin. I think this has affected culture, especially, I don't know if it's just in the South or what, but our culture is, I think it's everywhere. I know it is because it's sin, but this is no extra charge. Lying, lying is a sin, no matter how big or small it is. White lies are lies. You don't just call them white. (laughs) They're white lies. It doesn't make them any different because of of your judgment on how um, severe it was. Well, I don't think that's as bad. I didn't deceive so many people. Well, that doesn't matter in God's eyes. Lying is a sin. And lying to cover someone else's sin is sin too. Because it is rooted in pride. It is rooted in self-preservation. It's a heart that says, I can do better than what God has put in front of me, so I need to do something about it. And therefore, the lie blurts right out because of your living in sin. Here's something I want you to remember here. Holiness and righteous living isn't attempting to make people think more highly of you. It is thinking more highly of God than yourself. I want to say it again because it's very important. Holiness and righteous living isn't attempting to make people think more highly of you. That's not the goal. It is thinking more highly of God than yourself. That is holiness. God is holy, and I am not. And you will grow in that. You are. You are only as holy and righteous as you are when you are alone, and there is no one there to put a show put on a show for. You know that's. I know that's a problem in the South. People like to put on the show when it's church time. It's go time. What are you like when no one else is around? That's what a a word I like to call is integrity. Integrity is who you are when no one else is looking. And the fact is, there's never a moment when there's no one looking. God is always looking. He is always looking. And He doesn't think the little sins that we have issue, or that we don't think we have issue with, He doesn't think they're cute. Although we do many times we think they're cute. We the little pet sins and pull them out whenever it's time to pet them. He doesn't think they're cute because he's holy. And the reason his wrath burns so hot is because it's rebellion. It's because it is rebellion. That is not being strengthened with the power of Holy Spirit. If you're strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit, you will increase in holiness and you will get rid of those things, those little pets that you're keeping. You'll unchain them and turn them loose and get rid of them. If you're strengthened by His Spirit, you'll genuinely be loving God and obedience to His Word. And we know we have people, we, we know we go up. we go up and down. We're not constant like God. We have ups and downs. And we, we have downsides to different things. And we, there's moments when we're not loving God the way we should love Him. And we pray and we say, God, I'm so sorry for being distracted. I'm sorry for being distracted. I, I could have spent more time with you. I could have been focused on you. And I've let things distract me. We know that, that that happens. But if you're strengthened with power through His Spirit, you'll genuinely be loving God in obedience. In obedience. I'm going to say it again. In obedience to His Word. Not doing what you think is okay in the moment. Loving others without any agendas for self promotion. It goes back to the last sermon we preached, Love Out of Humility. You'll love people without without any agenda. You'll love them just because you want to be good to them. You won't want people to think a little different about you. You won't want people to notice or say anything about it. You'll love people without any agendas for self promotion for being lifted up for being to gain something to move up some ladder that you've you've pre- preve- uh, made up in your mind or in your heart that I need to get up to the next r- ringer there there is no there is no ladder <laughs> we're all we're all a family and we've all been equipped in different ways to affect the body in different ways to function as the body of Christ together just because Chuck and I are up here doesn't make us better than anyone else in the family. We just have different responsibilities and different giftings. When the groom comes back and asks about his bride, we have to answer. And that's why we speak about holiness. That's why we speak about there are no little white lies. There are no... We don't want you to love people with agendas. Because when we come back, if we've seen something like that and we don't say anything about it, Jesus says, why didn't you say something to my bride to, to purge them? We're going to have to give an, an account for that. So we encourage you to love people from a genuine heart. Love from humility. Not because we think we're somebody. No, it's because we got to answer to him. I love you guys, but I would rather you be upset with me than him to be upset with me. I'm sure you agree with that, Chuck. I don't, you can be upset with me all day long, all week long, all year long. I'm sorry. I'm going to say what's in here and I'm going to be, I don't want him upset with me and asking me the questions when he comes and says, why didn't you say this to my body? Why didn't you say this to my bride? Because I know how I feel about my bride and if I'd left my bride with someone to take care of them and they didn't, I'd be a little fired up. A little would be an understatement. And I don't want him to be that way to me or Chuck because we're in this, <laughs> we're, this is teamwork. But strengthened with power, genuinely loving people, in, living, loving God in obedience to his word, loving others without any agendas for self-promotion, these things are brought about to be through his spirit in your inner being. Now, why is he having to strengthen your inner being? Have you been strengthened through his spirit? I want to ask you that. Have you been strengthened through his spirit? What does your life look like? I want you to ask yourself that. Have you been strengthened through His Spirit? Have you been born again? There may be people in here that's never been saved. Have you been born again? Has your, has your life ever come to a point in time where it seems like your, your life ended and it but it just started over and now you love Christ and you love him and you desire him i'm not asking for a date i'm just asking for a point in time in your life where you remember everything changing you saw your sin as exceedingly sinful you saw it as you saw yourself as unholy and you saw god as holy and you knew you were in trouble and you needed to you needed to talk to him and your life changed from that point that point on That doesn't mean you became Paul the Apostle or it doesn't mean that you became Queen Esther. It means that you started moving and you weren't moving before in that direction because now you're alive. It doesn't matter if you're crawling. It doesn't matter if you're twitching. You're moving. If you're not moving, (laughs) nothing has changed. You've not been born. You've not been born again. Has your life changed or is it the same way it's always been? Are you growing in humility or are you navigating life trying to make people believe you are more than you really are than when you are alone with God? That is a problem in the South. I'm telling you, I know it's in Greenville for sure. Having people think more highly of them themselves. Wanting people to think you're... Well, obviously it was an issue in the Bible because Paul had to tell people, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. It's obviously a temptation of pride. We always think that we're further mature than we really are. All of us. I know me and Chuck still, you, you know, you, you, you want to you put your best foot forward and you think you're way out here and you're really back here. Because when you look at God and His eternal, we know nothing. We know nothing but what the Spirit has given us in our inner being. Are you growing in humility? Are you still trying to convince people that you're further along? If you're, if, you're in that, if you're caught up in that trap of trying to make people or try to impress people, just I want to encourage you, just stop. Just stop and just be real with God. Just be real with Him. When you're alone, just be real with Him. And whatever you have when you're alone, take that with you into your workplace. Take that with you into your school. Take that with you into your family. Into your marriage, into your friendships. Just take what you have. Although you think it's meager... You think it's little, but as the song says, little is much when God is in it. Your little story that you think doesn't amount to much because you want it to sound so much better. If you would just take that little story and share it with somebody, you would be amazed how the Spirit would use it and change somebody's life and transform them. You think He's going to use your projections of what you think you should be or what you ought to be? He's not going to use that because it's not true. He's going to use what you are when you're alone. When you're with Him, that is the reality of who you are before Him. That is your reality of maturity. That is your reality of where you're at with God, not what you project when you're in front of everyone. Take that little bit that you think is no no good. Don't call it no good because that's what God has done. That's what God has done. Because that little bit you see there, you didn't have to have that. I didn't have to have that because we could still be dead in our trespasses and sins but he's given us that so let's take that and share that that was not in the notes that was are you growing in a hatred for your sin and growing in your love for God it's very simple Do you see more of your sin day by day and do you hate it and are you increasing in your love for God? Your appreciation for God and His majesty that He would even think of you. Are you consumed with God and who He is or are you consumed with who you are and how people notice you? I'd rather be consumed with God because if you're worried about other people you'll always be disappointed. I mean always. There's no if, ands, or but. You'll always be disappointed if you're worried about how someone else thinks of you. If your worth is wrapped up in someone else's thoughts of you, you'll always be worthless because they'll always have something to say about you. Your worth comes from this scripture right here and this scripture is God. This scripture reveals God to us. Number three. presence of christ he says he will he will he prays for the ephesians to be strengthened through his spirit in your inner being now why does he say that in verse uh, verse 16 and 17 that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power dunamis like explosive like like it's like i almost see like electric sparks like boom there's always stuff happening um strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being and what does he say in verse 17? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Pray for Holy Spirit to fill you and strengthen you. For without Him, we have nothing. We are so weak in and of ourselves that He sends Holy Spirit to fill us in our inner being. So that what? It says, so that Christ may dwell in your heart. Christ is so holy. He is so eternal he is so majestic he is so big we are so weak it's almost like you you look at us and it's like we're just we're just shriveled up we have nothing holy spirit has to come into us to make way for christ to dwell in us According to his riches of his glory, that he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want you to notice this part. He says, that according to the riches of his glory, he may what? Lost some of you. That he may what? Grant you to be strengthened. There's that mindset again that humble mindset of we have nothing without Christ. He's praying that God may grant you to be strengthened with with power through his spirit in your inner being so that what so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We don't have it in us. We don't. As, as, as much as we like to think, we well, I, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can do this. I can, I can fight this fight for this for Christ. I can live this way for Christ. We don't have it in us unless the Holy Spirit comes in us and strengthens us in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. Because if He doesn't dwell in our hearts, we have nothing in our hearts. And if He's not in our hearts, it's nothing but a corpse, as James says. Faith without works is dead. That word dead is a corpse. It is an empty corpse. We have nothing Without Christ, without His Spirit strengthening us, so that Christ may dwell in us, we have nothing. It's a balloon with no air. It is a cell with no air in it. It is just laying. It is just there. We need a Holy Spirit in our inner being, so that we will be, we will have the eternal capacity to contain, or even be able to hold the eternal Son of God dwelling in our hearts. And when you hear Him dwelling in our hearts, it's not an asking Jesus into our hearts. It doesn't say that anywhere else in Scripture. He just said that He may grant you to be strengthened by His Spirit. It's not an asking Him to come into your heart. He may grant you to be strengthened so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. God has to grant that that Holy Spirit to strengthen you, to fill you up, to give you the lining in, in, inside your body to be even, able to hold Christ in your heart. We don't have that capacity within us. So what does it mean so that Christ may dwell in our hearts? Dwell, presently reside, to house permanently. What does heart mean? I want to say these things because I don't want to just gloss over them. What What does it mean to dwell in your hearts? So many times we hear in Christianity, we hear, I have Jesus in my heart. Well, if He is there in your heart, your life can't help but show it and it will be real. Not a show. It will be real. It will be natural for you if He's dwelling in your heart. The heart is the core of everything we are physically and spiritually. Every part of your life. As some people say, if Christ is in your heart, He's in all of your life. He's in the way you eat. He's in the way you drink. He's in the way you work. He's in the way that you read scripture. He's in the way you pray. He's in everything, every part of your life. He's in the way you parent, the way you're a son or daughter. He's in the way you're a cousin. He's in the way of all those things. He's in the way you treat your grandparents. He's in the way you're a grandson or a granddaughter. He's in all of those things. He's in all of your life. If Christ dwells in your heart, he's not just stuck right here. He's coming out of every appendage you have everything that you affect, everything that you come in contact with, He affects all of your life. That's what it means that He may dwell in your heart. That is why we need to be strengthened with the Holy Spirit in our inner being. Because without Him, we're dead. And if we're living in a dead way, every, all of that deadness comes all over everybody else. It just goes all over everyone. It's just... We don't We don't need that as damaging. We need to be strengthened by His Spirit that Christ may dwell in our hearts and if He's dwelling in our hearts, He's in all of our life and that's what we need. We need Him affecting every part of our life. And it will be real, not a show because it's coming from Him. I want you to remember this as we get ready to conclu- conclude. I want you to catch this. It is not enough. It's not enough for Jesus to float through your brain or to be on your tongue. The heart of a person is the rightful seat. It's not enough for Jesus to float through your brain or to be on your tongue. You hear so many people talk about Jesus. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I, I, I do this. I, I go to church and I see, I see things. I, you know, I'm friendly with the church. It's not enough for Jesus to float through your brain like in a passing thought, or to be on your tongue and say, yeah, I, I believe Jesus. Uh, well, the demons even believe, and they shudder. We don't shudder half the time because we don't realize His holiness. They do. They know how holy He is, and they shudder. But it's not enough for Him to be on your brain or to be on your tongue. The heart of the person is the rightful seat, and that is everywhere. That is everywhere. He is your life, or He is just another trinket in your idol collection. He is your life and he comes out of every part of your heart which is your whole being or he is just another idol in your idol collection, another trinket that you've gathered together. He's just another TV, he's just another radio station, he's just another TV show, he's just another celebrity in your heart. Oh, well, I like him but I also like keeping up with Brad Pitt and all these other people. He's just one of those people. That's just the reality of it. That goes for me. I'm not telling you. I'm just saying this is what we all have to go through. It's not enough for him to just float through your mind or to be on your lips. Even Jesus said that these people have, (laughs) they speak with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their hearts are far from me. He doesn't mean just their heart. He means their lives are far from me. He should be in all of your life. That is His rightful seat. He is your life. He is your life or He's just another trinket in your idol collection. Don't let, it, don't, don't let that be so. If there's other things getting in your way, cut them off. Cut them off. If the TV's getting in the way, cut it off. I'm not being legalistic. I'm just saying, if we're trying to run a race, let's lay aside the things that are tripping you up. If TV doesn't trip you up, by all means, go for it. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just saying, if it's getting in your way, remove whatever it is that's getting in your way that's causing him just to be another thought or another person or or just another trinket in your idol collection whatever's causing that get rid of it so in conclusion the same question i asked at the very beginning what is it that dwells in your heart today what is it that dwells in your heart is it your pride Scripture says God resists the proud and that word resist means he's at war with the proud but gives grace to the humble. What's in your heart? Is it his powerful presence? Is he in your heart? Is his presence in your heart? Because there can be no pride in his presence. There is no pride in his presence. When God shows up on the scene, people hit their face. Is his presence in your heart? If we are in His presence and His presence is dwelling in us, we we will be filled with humility towards God and others. And I want to ask you this question. What do you think heritage would look like if we're all operating in the presence of God? Not just on Sunday morning during the worship, but what if we had that carry over and spill over into the week? And, And then God starts to dwell in our hearts through faith every day not just on this high day where we get to gather together, but every day you're overflowing with Him dwelling in your heart, Him dwelling in every aspect of your life, wherever you go. Every conversation you have, it doesn't have to be some sort of formula. It's just coming out naturally. I don't want you to come up with formulas in your conversation. That's not real either. That's not. It's not real. The formulas are not real. The principles are good, great, Good principles, but if he's dwelling in your heart in every aspect of your life, it's going to come out. That love for God's going to come out. That love for people's going to come out. It's going to come out in humility of thinking of those people before yourself. You're going to be thinking of God's holiness before yourself and not your own uh, lifting up and promotion. So what is it that dwells in your heart today? I pray that it would be his powerful presence, that we would be strengthened by his spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that it would not just be a passing through, but that he would dwell and reside there. Yes, it, I'm not saying in salvation you would lose it. You're not losing salvation. I'm saying you're strengthened in your salvation. You're strengthened in it. You're, you won't lose your salvation if you've genu- genuinely gotten it, if you've genuinely been born again, and you're continuing to repent, and you're continuing to believe and trust in him in greater and greater degrees. But I'm praying that we would be strengthened in our hearts through faith, through the Holy Spirit, that He would dwell there and that He would stay there, and that the high that you feel when you're here in here in worship, that you always feel that, that rustling in your heart when you're around people. You always feel that fire burning. You know what I'm talking about when you're in, in here this morning, you just feel it burning. Don't quench it. Don't quench the spirit. Don't put him out because it's Monday or Sunday evening. Keep the fire going. Seek after him. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for everything that you are and everything that you have given us. Lord, we really don't know the magnitude of everything that you have given us. We really don't understand what it costs you to give your only your only begotten Son. But Lord, you did. And not only did you make us creations or image bearers, you've made us name bearers. So Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us in our inner being with your Spirit, that you would dwell in our hearts through faith, that you would strengthen our faith, strengthen our trust in you, help us to pour out onto everyone else lord make us real make us real and genuine and lord we look forward to seeing your face lord we won't have this struggle with our flesh anymore we will see you and we will worship you as dear children and lord we see pieces of that every sunday morning we see it at discipleship group we see it during the week when we talk to other christian believers we see it when we give the gospel to non-believers lord we see those glimpses those echoes of Eden, Lord, we see those and we look forward to that day when we get to see you and enjoy you with no hindrances. Lord, strengthen heritage by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.